Let's read from our psalm this morning, Psalm 21. We only made it through verse 1 last week, and we want to, the Lord helping us, uh, look at the rest of the psalm in its entirety. And I know you're probably thinking, if you couldn't get past 1 last week, how do you possibly think that you'll get through 13 verses? But um, it will be our, our, what we'll strive for. But Psalm 21, beginning in verse number 1, The king, remember that was our subject, right? The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire, and hast not withholden the request of his lips, Selah. For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. Thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of thee. And thou gavest it him, even length of days, forever and ever. His glory is great in thy salvation. Honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. For thou hast made him most blessed forever. Thou hast made him exceeding glad with thy countenance. For the king trusteth in the Lord. And through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved." Thine hand shall find out all thine enemies. Thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thine anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Their fruit shalt thou also destroy from the earth, and their seed from among the children of men. For they intended evil against thee. They imagined a mischievous device, which they are not able to perform. Therefore shalt thou make them turn their back, when thou shalt make ready thine arrows upon thy strings against the face of them. Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength, so will we sing and praise thy power. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful as we are able to be found, Father, present here this morning. We, we know there's, there's some who are not able to be here for one reason or another, some um, because they're traveling to a funeral today. We pray for traveling grace and mercy upon them that they might be a comfort, uh, Father, to the family who has lost this loved one. Um, Father, we pray that or I, I, I know who will be speaking, at least one of the men that will be speaking today, and I pray for him that he might have, um, Father, words given unto him, that you would speak through him, that you would speak unto all those present, those who know you, that they might find comfort and rest and peace in you, and those that do not, that they might see this as, a, as an example uh, before them of the end of all men, um, time like an ever-rolling stream, bears all of its sons away. And so may it be an example before them. Uh, may they, they find uh, their, their need of you and their need of Christ, their need of repentance, their need of believing upon him that they might be saved. And so also, Father, we pray for those who aren't here because of illness. Um, Father, we got a whole pew uh, back there uh, this morning that's, uh, that's, that's not here because of uh, uh, back or other reasons uh, and those that are caring for those that are that are ill so father we we ask uh, that you would be with them still 
even uh, now that that you would comfort them that you would strengthen them that you would father help them uh, we do miss them uh, and we're small enough anytime anyone's gone we miss them so father we lift them up unto you we lift ourselves up here this morning that you would speak to us from your word that you would give us understanding in christ's name we pray amen you may be seated so we left off last week in in verse number one we had been talking about the king and we've been talking about the king having a kingdom and so we we went to the scene there with Pilate and and him asking the question you know are you a king and um, the Lord replies to Pilate in John 18 verse 36 my kingdom <clears throat> is not of this world he had told him that it was that his servants would fight uh, you'll have to bear with me. I'm having trouble struggling with my voice this morning. I don't know why. I didn't struggle with it while I was speaking, you know, in, in Louisiana. Maybe it's the change from going from here to there back to here again. Um, but um, Lord helping me, I'll be able to, to make it through. Uh, of course, that's the case even when I have my voice, right, Brother Bruce? And if he wasn't helping me, I wouldn't make it through if my voice was clear as it could be. Um, but Pilate says, are you a king then? And the Lord says, I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Isn't that a precious thing? To be able to hear the Lord's voice. Um, for the Spirit to speak to you through the written Word of God and through the preached Word of God. Uh, you read God's Word and the Lord speaks unto you. you. You hear the preaching of God's word, and the Lord speaks unto you. That was the first message that we heard in the conference. Um, the brother spoke to us about reading, reading the word of God, um, and what a grace it is for God to you know, speak unto us. So uh, what a blessing to hear the Lord's voice. So we spoke to you of the king and his kingdom. We spoke to you of power, we, we read from John 17, verses 1 and 2. Um, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. How privileged are you as a people living upon the face of the earth this morning to know that you have eternal life, to know that you have life in Christ forevermore. Uh, my cousin is even now, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present, you know, with the Lord. She, she suffered there at the end, you know, she, she had that, that great mass and that tumor and it was removed and they had taken blood samples, and they thought, and Shalom was surprised this morning. He's like, I didn't know she passed away. And, um, you know, somehow that was just all through her lymph nodes, and, and um, the doctors thought, well, we're going to be able to do chemo. We're going to be able to treat this, and it'll, it'll, she'll, she'll be fine. Um, but, you know, th they don't know, do they? Uh, they don't know the reverse of that either because I've known them to tell people just a few days left. And year goes by and year goes by, and year goes by, and they're astounded, and they don't understand why they're still alive, but God knows. He appointed the day of our birth, right? He's appointed the day of our death. Uh, 
Brother JT could have died on that operating table, but we're thankful he didn't. He's here. Um, and the Lord's brought us through lots of things, hasn't he? Um, safely through. But think about that power. What a glory that power is. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came and spake unto them, that is the disciples, he's sending them forth, right? And he says unto them, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I mean, we know these verses, but what a glory that is for us to possess and that the indwelling, God has taken up residence in you. God has redeemed you from death. God has redeemed you from hell, redeemed you from sin. And what a glory, you know, that is. This is the king. This is his kingdom. This is his people. This is his power. And he has a throne. We, we, we looked at that last week in Hebrews 12 too. For the joy that was set before him, it says, that he endured the cross despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. I mean, he said on the cross, it's finished. And he sat down at the right hand. And, and how finished is it? The scripture says that we, you're sitting right here right now, but the scripture puts you in, 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 in this perspective. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is the king. This is his kingdom. This is his power and authority. This is him sitting upon his throne and saying, it is finished. It's done. It's done. The great transgression, or not transaction rather, because of our transgression is done. Hebrews 1.8 says, but unto the Son he saith, thy throne. Listen, this is God speaking unto the Son. He says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. It's a place. I know, here we are. I mean, we've got some young people. and they, they, they're, they're, I don't know. What's it going to be like for them? We talked about that last week. You know, if, if, if the Lord doesn't return and before we, we, we pass from this life into eternity and they, they become our age, what's it going to be like, you know, for them? Well... We're, we're, we're longing for the day when the Lord will come. They'll be longing for the day when the Lord will come. And we'll go to a place where the scripture says, righteousness dwells. What else could dwell there? God is holy. God is righteous. What else could dwell there except what is holy and what is righteous? And we'll be in our glorified bodies and we'll actually see him for ourselves. I mean, in, in this frame, not possible. We see glimpses, don't we? But in that day, to be able to see him, Job says, with his own eyes, he would see his face. Yes, we'll see him face to face. When we, when we see him, we'll be like him, the scripture says. That we'll, we'll know even as we are known. Now, speaking of knowing, I know that you know that. But I want you to glory in it. I want you to glory in the king, and I want you to glory in his kingdom, and I want you to glory in his power and his authority and the throne that he now rules and reigns from. 
Thy throne shall be established forever. So that we get to the very first verse and it says the king, and we talked about, um, you know, that there's a parallel. You know, Brother JT was talking to us this morning about parallels. There's a parallel between David, his kingdom, but there's a greater fulfillment in Christ and his kingdom. So the king shall joy in thy strength. So here we are this morning. Can you not joy in the strength of the Lord? Are you not rejoicing in the strength of the Lord? Are you not rejoicing in his power, in his authority, in his grace, in his goodness, in his mercy, in his loving kindness? Are you not rejoicing in those things this morning? I will joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation. How greatly shall he rejoice. No wonder in the New Testament we read, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice, greatly rejoice. Don't just re- greatly rejoice. Don't just rejoice, but greatly rejoice. God says, I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. He's a king. He's got a kingdom. He rules and reigns from a throne, and all power and authority has been given you know, unto him. So that's where we left off last week. So let's move on to verse number two. I don't want to camp out in verse number one too long, or we'll stay in verse number one again. Uh, just want to review a little bit what we looked at last week, but don't want to review too long. Verse number two says, Thou hast given him his heart's desire. Isn't that a marvelous thing when you think about that the Lord set his affections upon you? And God gave him his heart's desire. You know, I set, Sister Pat, my affections upon this this young lady up here on the front row back when we were in high school. Um, but the Lord set his affections upon us. You, you, Brother JT said something about that love this morning, didn't he? I mean, the love of Christ that is shown unto us. I mean, you, you, you get over in the New Testament and, and we, we hear it talked about, about the, it's, it's width, it's breadth, it's depth, it's height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. We know something of it. That love's been shed abroad, what? In our hearts, hasn't it? If it hadn't been, we wouldn't love him. But he first loved us. He first loved us. If he hadn't first loved us, we would never have loved him. We never would have. He's given him his heart's desire. And thou hast not withheld, verse number two, that's what we're reading here. Thou hast not withheld the request of his lips. He's bought us with his own blood, with his own blood, his bride. What are you as the church? You're the bride, right? He's the bridegroom. We are his bride, the church. Our great king has won the greatest of victories and rescued our souls, like we said last week, from sin and death and hell. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. 
My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. Continue this thought about the bride, okay? He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. We sang that hymn again, his robes for mine. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. But you think about what he's saying here, the, the, his heart's desire, the request of his lips. Those are the two things that we have you know, there in verse number two. <clears throat> and you think about the Lord's words in John 17, right? That's what you were thinking of already, you know, wasn't it? Just, just, just looking at this, my thoughts exactly. I mean, verse number one, begin in John 17, verse number one, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son may also glorify thee. We read that verse in the next one. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is the request, right? That we, we would know him, that we would, that we would be one as we get towards the end, right? But that we would know him, and that we know the Father, and that we would know the Son, that they might know thee, the only true God. We, we could be worshiping all sorts of things this morning, but know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self. So here's the request of his lips still. All through here we have the request of his lips. Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them. And have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. Again, I'll point to it. It's the request of his lips. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine. All mine are thine, and thine are mine. And I am glorified in them. And now I am no longer or no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name. What, what is the only reason you've been kept this far? What's the only reason that Cohen's gone this far in, 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 in his spiritual walk? Yes, it's being kept by the power of God. And it is the request of the lips of our Lord that that would be so. And we are being kept right now. Just like he holds all things together by the word of his power. We're being kept right now by that same power. We're being kept by the power of God. And this is the Lord's prayer, you know, on our behalf is that we would be kept. Keep them, he says, through thine own name, thou whom thou hast given me, or those rather whom thou hast given me. Why? What's the ultimate end? 
that they may be one even as we are one, that they may be one, and the two shall become one flesh. There's a picture. Behold, I show you a mystery, the Scripture says. That I speak of, I speak of Christ. I speak of his bride, the church. While I was with them, verse number 12 says, in the world I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me have I kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee. And these things I speak in the world. Aren't you grateful that the Lord spoke these things in the world and that these things have been recorded for you and me for now? <clears throat> these things, he said, I spake, <coughs> excuse me, in the world. that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And it does, doesn't it? Doesn't it cause you to rejoice? Doesn't it cause you to be filled with joy? And I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. So, why are you hated? Why is the world not like you? Why they hate? Why the world hate the Lord? The Lord said, I, they hated me, what? Without cause without cause. What had he done but fulfill all righteousness? What had he done but fulfill all Scripture, the Scriptures they claimed to believe? What had he done but good? What, what had he shown but mercy? I mean, he, he, he went around doing good everywhere he went, and then they would get upset because it was done on the Sabbath day. So what do we know about the Sabbath day? It's okay to do good. On the Sabbath day, isn't it? Um, but he says, I've given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not, I mean, that might be our, this might be our desire, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world. Oh, Paul was in that place, wasn't he? I mean, but it, in between the two to depart and be with the Lord far better but for me to remain with you profitable the Lord's will be done you know uh, how many times did, did, had, had he must have thought this is it this is the way the Lord's going to take me I'm being stoned to death I saw it happen to Stephen they drug him out of the city and left him for dead you know I'm in prison they're surely going to execute me I'm, I'm, we're we're, we're going to be shipwrecked, you know. Uh, of course, he knew an angel stood beside him and said, there's not a life going to be lost, you know. But, but um, you know, the Roman centurion went down to, to take him from the crowd because they thought they were going to tear him to pieces. You remember that? Um, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't finish verse number 15, did I? I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but what? That thou shouldst keep them from evil. Is it dark? Is it dark around us? Is, is there evil all around us? Yeah. Well, guess what? The Lord prayed here that you would be kept you're going to be kept. 
you will be kept. And it ought to be our prayer, shouldn't it? Didn't, didn't the disciples ask the, the Lord to teach them to pray? Deliver us from evil. Yeah, that ought to be our, it was the Lord's prayer. It ought to be our prayer. It ought to be our prayer. So let's go back to where we were before I backed up to the second half of that verse that I didn't finish reading. Um, well, I'll just go ahead. Verse number 16. I don't want to confuse things. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. No wonder the brother preached the message that he did, the first message that he preached. Stay in the Word. Read your Bible. Stay in the Word of God. Sanctify them through thy truth. We don't need to be here just on Sunday. We need to be here all throughout the week. Thy Word is truth. And what did we read earlier about Pilate and what the Lord said? Those that are of the truth, hear me. You know, my sheep hear my voice and they follow at my call, right? As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. We are being sanctified, aren't we? We're being sanctified. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And we, here's the other message that we heard. Brother Mark LaCour, he'll be here in a couple of weeks, be praying for he and Brother Mac, right? It won't be long. I think it's just a couple of weeks, right? I'm not exactly how many days it is. But he preached this message. And you know, Brother Mark's usually got an illustration. And boy, did he have plenty uh, this time. He brought out bowls and pots and pans and and uh casserole you know dishes i mean i don't know i guess he i, I heard his wife say something that before about before they left you know she said he brought an illustration so i guess he raided their kitchen and brought those things with him i don't know either that or he raided the kitchen at camp and, and brought all those things out um but he was talking about us as god's people being as it were waiters in a sense and we have this heavenly food that comes from above and we set it on the table before those who will you know partake of it you know that's that's the task that we've been given and so I mean, my mind immediately goes to to being ambassadors of christ that's what we are we we pray you right in what christ dead can you finish it? Be ye reconciled unto God. That was the picture that Brother Mark gave, uh, was bringing that. The Lord may impress upon him to bring that message to all of you because we were the only ones, that, the ones that were there that heard it. He may bring it again. I don't know. Um, I, I assume he'll probably bring something different, but uh, he could bring that. And if he did, it'd be good. I'd probably get more out of it the second time that I got out of it the first time. Um, especially since he surprised me and called me up to be a part of the illustration. So um, I was a little taken back by that. He had a little girl up there, and then all of a sudden he said, Russell, come up here. And I'm like, did I just hear my name? Did he really just ask me to go up there? He did, and I went up there. Um, I didn't mind. I, I was glad to be able to do it. But um, neither, verse number 20, pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. People around us believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ 
through your word. Through the word that you speak, the word that you speak. And we understand the spirit of God is causing them to be convicted. Is drawing them with the cords of love, you know, unto himself. Shedding his love abroad in their hearts. Them seeing their need of Christ. Them seeing their sin. They're seeing themselves as wicked and they're, they're deserving of hell. And they're crying out, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon me. So, believe on me, he says through their word. Verse 21, that they may all become one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. You've been given some glory. There's glory from on high that has come and rested upon you, dear Christian. I mean, we're talking about you, you, you go in the temple behind the veil and there was the Shekinah glory that was there. The glory of the Lord rests upon you. And there's going to be some people who are going to see that glory shining as it were like Moses from your face and hear it in the words that you speak. And, and, and they're going to say, I'm so glad that, that I met you. And I'm so glad the Lord sent you. And I'm so glad that I heard the truth from you. And I'm so glad that you spoke these words unto me that I might be saved. That they would know that glory that you now know. That they would have that glory that you now possess. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me. And hast loved them as thou loved me. Can you, you hear that? God loving you and me as he loved his only begotten son. Behold, what manner of love is this? That we should be called the children of God. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. Again, this is the Lord's petition that we would be where he is. My cousin Marlene is with him where he is. If you know the Lord when you die, you will be with him where he is. If you're alive, and remain upon the earth when he comes, he's going to take you to be with him where he is, right? This is the Lord's prayer. This is his request. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it. Isn't he still? I mean, right now, isn't he still being declared unto us? Your only hope of salvation, Christ. Our, 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 our hope and consolation, um, our, our everything, our all in all is him. It's him. That the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. 
I mean, you, you were talking about just beyond, uh, you know, complete and total comprehension that that sort of thing is. I mean, you might as well ponder eternity as to think about the fact that God has taken up residence in us. Sinful, wicked, hell-deserving sinners that God has taken up residence in you and me. Incredible. Amazing. So you hear the Lord's request. You hear His heart's desire from those words that we you know, what's the answer from heaven? Well, go back to our text in Psalm 21 and verse number three. Here's the answer from heaven. For thou dost meet him with blessings of good things. It's in abundance. Ask of me, God says, I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance. Ask of me what you will, it'll be given. He, he was always going about. You remember he was... He was wasn't found among the caravan. Here Mary and Joseph were looking for him. Uh, at first they kind of thought, well, he's probably with some other family members, you know, in our procession back. And they began to investigate there, and he wasn't there. And they began looking and looking and looking, and finally they found him in the temple. And what did the Lord reply? Didn't you know? I must be about my father's business. Thou dost meet him. So this request from his lips, met. His heart's desire, met. Right? Met. With the blessings of good things, thou dost set a crown of fine gold on his head. I mean, certainly the Lord met David's requests. How much more Christ? How much more the Son of God? He set a crown of gold upon David's head. How much more upon the head of our Lord? I looked to see if I could find who said this. It's like I wrote down this reference, Brother Bruce, and I forgot to write down who said it. So this is not me, but listen to this is good. Listen to what this says. Crowns are at God's disposal. Okay? On the head of Christ... God did not set a crown of gold, but of thorns first, and then of glory. Whoever said it is good. You know, I'll read it to you again. Crowns are at God's disposal. On the head of Christ, God did not set a crown of gold, but thorns first, and then of glory. I mean, it, it depicts the, the verse that we're reading here so well. You know, from before the foundation of the world, before Adam sinned, right? Christ the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And, and here's John pointing. They're all waiting for the consolation of Israel. And you see John the Baptist, there's these disciples with him. And he says, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What, what music that must have been to their ears. What comfort and consolation that must... And you remember they, they, they came to him. They said, tell us where you're staying. We, we, in other words, we want to follow you. And then they went and found others. We found him. We found him that the prophets spoke of. We found the Messiah. Before the foundation of the world, he came to take away the sin of the world. 
our sin. We'd all sin, fallen short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God, the scripture says, which what? Giveth us victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now worketh in the children of disobedience. We can see it all around us. And you look at them, and you better think that could have been you. That could be you. The worst among them, that could have been me. Among them also, we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, this that the Lord was praying, that God answered his prayer for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ. Remember that same love that he loved his son with, he loves us. That same power by which he quickened his son from the grave is the same power that quickens us from our sins and from death unto life and that eternal. We've been recovered, right? As 2 Timothy 2.26 says, from the snare of the devil. We were his captives from the snare of the devil who had taken us captive at his will. So just as David spoiled other you know, armies, so also has Christ spoiled Satan. His crown, our joy. His glory, our rejoicing. And can it be, you know, we sing that hymn, I don't know, Sister Pat, you talked about older hymns. Is that one that you sang, And Can It Be? Here's some of the words from it. You may not recognize by the title, but maybe the words you might. No condemnation, now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold, I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Isn't that amazing? Alive in Him. We have life because of Him. John 10, 17 and 18 says this, Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and power to take it again. And we've received the same power. Right? I mean, we're going to be laid in the grave and my, my cousin's still in a coffin this morning. Her body's going to be laid in the grave. She's already gone. She's already with the Lord. And one day the Lord's going to give her a glorified body. So you think about power to rescue us even from the grave, to rescue us from hell and from the grave. Luke one thirty two says, he shall be great. He's not just a king, he's a great king. He doesn't just save, he saves to the uttermost. He shall be called great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Isn't that marvelous? I mean, some people think you die and just go out of existence. I mean, you die and there's nothing left. 
Uh, you, better, you better live this life and get all out of it that you possibly can because when you die and take your last breath, there's nothing else. And you better get it all while you're young because when you get older, you know, you just can't enjoy it like you can when you're young. Uh, but it's not the end, is it? Of his kingdom, there shall be no end. He will rule and he will reign forever and ever and ever. Verse number five says his glory is great. Well, I'm sorry, I, I think I skipped over verse number four, but I was covering some of that territory. He asked for life of thee, and thou gavest it him. Didn't he? Didn't God give life? And we just read that in that verse. Even length of days forever and ever. That was another proof text that I'd had there. But verse number five, his glory is great through thy salvation, splendor, honor, and majesty. God has placed upon him. Like we said, it's an uttermost salvation that belongs. I've not lost one, the Lord said. All that you've given me, I've kept. All glory and honor unto him belongs. Psalm 72, 17 says, His name shall endure, how long? Forever. His name shall continue as long as the what? It says the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Verse 6 says in our text, Thou dost make him most blessed forever. Thou dost make him joyful with gladness in thy presence. Isn't it amazing to think about God rejoicing over us? Do you feel like God ought to rejoice over you? Isn't it amazing to think about him singing over us? Scripture talks about that. That he sings over us with rejoicing. He sings over us with joy. I mean, we know how we felt about, I mean, we, we saw some little babies, didn't we? Sister Proby this week uh, over there at that Bible conference, little bitty babies. She got to hold one of them at lunch yesterday. I mean, what rejoicing. That mother had two mis miscarriages right before that baby. What joy. I mean, God doesn't have any miscarriages. But what joy and rejoicing over you know, a child being given into your arms. Somebody reminded me of a scene. Um, Lydia's taken some of Dr. Roy Cook's messages, and she's put them on the website. I forget how many's there, but somebody reminded me of a scene that had happened years ago at Bentley Camp where he's, he's preaching about Simeon there in the temple and talking about, now I've seen your salvation. And as he quoted that verse, or before he quoted that verse, he went down into the congregation and he took a little baby from the arms of its mother and came up before the whole congregation and he quoted that verse as he held that newborn babe. You know, pretty amazing, isn't it? Um, Thou dost make him most blessed forever. Thou dost make him joyful with gladness in thy presence. Blessed. His name shall be blessed forever. You have been made a part, you know, of this kingdom. You have been made a part of this glory. I mean, the, the scripture talks about crowns being given unto us. We'll, we'll lay them at his feet, you know. Um, thou dost make him most blessed forever. Thou dost make him joyful with gladness in thy presence. What's he rejoicing over? What's he singing over? His bride, over you. He's singing over you. Isn't that amazing? 
Philippians 2.9 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Thou dost make him blessed forever, forever. And has given him a name which is above every name. And dost make him joyful with gladness in thy presence because he's rejoicing over the fact that there's a people that have been redeemed. Verse 7 says, For the king trusts in the Lord. And just like we said, if the Lord prays for this, you know, ought we, ought, ought we not also to pray for it? And he says here, The king rejoiced in the Lord. David rejoiced in the Lord. Well, our Savior rejoiced in God. And through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. As, as I was preaching at the conference, there was a stained glass window over the door in, in, the, in the front of the building. You know, for me, it was the back of the building from where I was standing. And there was a tree. And there was a river that ran through. Just like a tree planted by the water, right? I shall not be moved, right? He was not going to be moved from his task. He was not going to be moved from finishing. I mean, as he's praying there in, in John 17, he hasn't actually hung up on the cross. But he's rejoicing in these things already. Um, for the king trusts in the Lord, and through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Was there, were we ever in danger of not being redeemed? You know, humanly speaking, you say, well, the Lord was tempted in all points. Yes, he was. Yet, without sin, right? He suffered and bled and died as, as, as a sacrifice that was without spot. Without spot. Without blemish. Whatever changes or reversals that we may experience in earthly things, our ultimate warfare the battle that we're now fighting, the victory of that battle is secure. It is secure. Nothing can shake our hope of heaven. Nothing can take us from his hand, right? Nothing can shake our hope of heaven which has at its foundation the gracious promise that God has made unto the Son. 1 Chronicles 17, 11 says, And it shall come to pass, when thy days be expired, that thou must go to be with thy fathers, that I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. There's no maybe. There's not any attempt to establish. He said, I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house. You know, David built a house. But he says, he shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. David, you know, is, his body's in a tomb. His soul's in heaven, but his body's in a tomb. But he says, I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son, and I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him that was before thee. But I will settle him in mine house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forevermore, according 
to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. So the greatness of David's kingdom to be sure, but a greater greatness and a greater establishment, even an establishment forevermore in the kingdom of Christ. Here, the Lord of angels, we find in Hebrews chapter 2, was made a little lower, right? <clears throat> a little lower than the angels. <clears throat> For what purpose? For the suffering of death, the scripture says. Crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste what? Death for every man. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. For it became him from whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they that are sanctified. Here's this oneness again, are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to, be, to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. I, I wish it was as simple as we were talking to Shalom earlier. And he was asking about whistling. And Brother J.C. said, just whistle. You know, just, you'll get it. I've been singing a long time. I don't know, I haven't gotten it yet. I'm trying though. Uh, but... In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. You remember in Matthew 27, 43, where they said, he trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. He did deliver him. He would have him. He has, he has, and he is king of all, ruling and reigning over all. He did deliver him. He did deliver him. He did receive a kingdom. He is set down at the right hand of God. Hebrews 10, 12 says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, because before that, right, it was every year, you know, it was continual, but there was, you know, that sacrifice for the sin of the people every year. One sacrifice for sins forever sat down upon the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Perfected, perfected, perfected forever. Could have never done it. How would we ever attained? How would we ever have done a such a thing? How could we? E even if we could say, okay, from now on, I'm never going to sin. There's sins that we committed. You know, how would we ever be made perfect apart from Christ? There is no way. That's right. Psalm 110 verse 1 says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. That, that's a place of authority. That's a place of power. The thing about his tongue going forth as a sharp sword. Yeah, there's coming a day, and I'm, I'm not going to make it through this <clears throat> again, I don't think, but you think about the enemies spoken of at the end of the psalm there, right? He'll find all of them out. Yeah, there's not one of them going to be not found out, right? 
They're all going to be found out. Not one of them is going to be able to hide. They're going to ask for the rocks, and they're going to ask for the hills, and they're going to ask for the mountains to fall upon them, to hide them from the face of the Son of God. But they're not going to be able to hide. They're not going to be able to hide. By the sword of his mouth, by his word, he will expose them. By his word, he will judge them. You know, that's what we see. Out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword in Revelation 19, 15, that with it he should smite the nations. It's his word. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. They will not be able to find any cover. You have cover. We're, we're under the shadow of his wing. He, he, he gathers us together. You know, he said that about Jerusalem, how often I would have. But we have been. I mean, his people have been gathered together as a hen doth her chicks. Uh, we're, we're under the shadow of his wing. And, it, and it's not, I mean, we got back and there's chicken feathers everywhere. Something got at least one of them. You know, don't know what. You know, but what's going to get you under the shadow of his wing? You know, things threaten you and what do you do? You draw nigh unto God. And what's he going to do? Draw nigh unto you, you know. Um, you know, what's, what's going to touch you? What's going to pluck you from his hand? Nothing. Nothing can. Nothing has that kind of authority. Nothing apart from him. Nothing has that kind of power. Nothing apart from him. Verse 9 says, You will make them as a firing heaven in the time of your anger. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will devour them. I mean, all those that walked by the Lord that weren't converted and they wagged their tongues at him and they said, if you be the Christ, come down off that cross. Then we'll believe you, which we know they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have. They would have denied him still. Um, They would have sought to have him killed still, you know, even after that. Um, You think about some of the the, the anger of men, how that they have put men to death. I mean, you were talking about Latimer, you know, but they put men to death and then after they've been buried, they'll go back and dig them up again, you know, burn them again, you know. I mean, that is the wrath of man, uh, the, the, and the, the anger and the hatred that, that men have towards the things of God. Uh, it's just incredible. But we're told here that in flaming fire, taking God's going to take vengeance on them who know him not. Rather, I'm sorry, that's Second Thessalonians 1.8. And flaming fire is going to take vengeance on them that know him not and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll have no excuse. Doesn't Romans tell us that? They are without excuse. They're without excuse. They'll have no excuse. They may object to the gospel that we preach and say, surely, all that's not required. Surely, the Bible says God's love. Surely he's going to let all men into heaven in the end. That's not what his word says. You better repent and you better believe the gospel. That's what his word says. Surely God wouldn't condemn men to such a fate, but they forget that he's holy and that he's not going to sweep men's sins under a rug somewhere. Even Sister Shelby doesn't do that when I ask her to go clean one of these houses that we've, that we've done a remodel you know, on. She's not sweeping dirt under a rug and saying, oh, that'll be okay, it's hidden. You know, no, the only, only place you can be hidden is in Christ. The only place that you can find refuge from the wrath of God is in Christ. 
God's not going to sweep men's sins under a rug and say, well, they're out of, out of sight, out of mind. No. He's going to punish everyone. Everyone. Our sins can only be swept away in Christ. They lean. You know, my message, I don't know if you'll be able to, if you want to hear it, if you'll be able to, I'm not sure if they'll post it at some point. But they, my, my, my passage was in Proverbs 3. Verse 5 says what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. What are they doing? They're, they're ignoring the word of God and they're leaning upon their own understanding. Well, God is love. You know, they're, they're picking and choosing. They're, they're making a God that they want to have, right? They trust in their supposed goodness. They imagine that they're good enough. They imagine they're good enough to earn God's favor. It's not what God says. It says, all have sinned. All have come short. There is none good. No, not one. Better take, better take it up and read it. Better find out what God has said in his word. He's commanded all men everywhere to repent, to turn from our sins unto God, to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ that we might be saved. There's no other way. There is no other way. So, to any who hear these words, you better flee to Christ. You better flee to Christ. You better not wait. You better repent. You better not wait. You better believe. Or you're going to perish. I mean, it's, it's here in what we're reading. Verse 10 says, Even their offspring thou wilt destroy from the earth, and their descendants from among the children are the sons of men. What are we talking about there? Those who follow after them and follow in their steps. Whose steps are you following in? The Lord's. Right? He says, Come, follow me. Right? Those who follow their ways and will not repent of their sins, they, those who will not believe, they will perish. They will perish. <clears throat> we can go on and read in Romans chapter 3. You can go read that later. You know, they're all gone out of the way, right? They're all together become unprofitable. There's none good, no, not one. Their throat's an open sepulcher. You can read all those things that we see there. Verse number 11 says, they intended evil against thee. When you, when you think about that, I mean, here's, let me help you with that best I can. Joseph and what he said to his brothers. You know, remember Peter told them, you with wicked hands have taken and slain the Lord of glory. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And the conviction of God was upon them. And repent, believe. Or you're going to perish, you know. But, but think about Joseph, what he said. He said, you meant it for evil. And they did, didn't they? With wicked hands, they crucified the Lord of glory. They meant it for evil. But God meant it for good, didn't he? Though they intended evil against thee and devised a plot, they will not succeed. Why do the heathen rage? Why do the people imagine a vain thing? They're not going to succeed. God says, I've set my king upon the holy hill. They're not going to succeed. You know, let, let us break their bands asunder. Let us cast their cords from us. How many years did you say it was? 368 years since Latimer and Ridley. I was going to say Riley. Ridley were burned at the stake. Yeah. 
yeah, uh, 368 years ago. They think, let us break their bands asunder. They think, let us cast their cords from us. But I wonder how many people were converted over that very thing that happened. I mean, you see the picture that Bunyan gives in Pilgrim's Progress. You know, there they are in Vanity Fair. And here one, one's taken and one continues with Pilgrim. You're going to say something with Christian. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The, the, right. The blood of the martyrs. Yeah. Seed, you know, of the church. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we see that here. Verse 12 says that thou wilt make them turn their back. Thou wilt aim with thy bowstrings at their faces. The closest, the, I mean, what we would see that of that in this day <clears throat> Not that somebody couldn't draw a, a, an arrow back and point it in your face, but somebody putting a gun in your face, you know. Um, same sort of thing. But you, you think about Second Kings 19 and 32 to 35, where it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come into this city. You think about our king? You think about him upon his throne? What's going what's gonna to pull him down off his throne? I mean, Lucifer... That was in his, in his mind, I'll become like the Most High. You know, who's going to dethrone God? Who's going to remove him from power? He shall not come into the city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, the same way he will return. You see, I'm trying to get through to the end, right? But, but verse number 13, let's read it. Be thou exalted, Lord. Nothing's going to overthrow. Who can remove you? I mean, the, the, the seed has been placed within you. It's incorruptible. I mean, we yet dwell in the flesh, I know, but there's this seed that God, there's this work that God has done within us. If you're truly His, then I'll agree with, with the, what the Baptist said years ago, once saved, always saved, you know, on those terms. I mean, if you truly belong to Him, if once you have indeed been saved, there's nothing that's going to undo that. Satan can't undo that. This, this is the Lord's kingdom. This is the Lord's property. This is the Lord's people. There's not anything to come in and raid you know, that and take you, know, you away from him and, and you be found in hell. You know, no, that's not going to happen. Be thou exalted, Lord, in thy own strength. So will I sing or so will we sing and praise thy power. Think about Malachi 3, 17 and 18. And they shall be mine, right? They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him, then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Or how about Psalm 98, verses 1 through 3? Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. 
And I'll leave you with this. Revelation 19, 5 and 6. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard a voice, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Those will be words on our lips. Those will be the words to a song that we will sing. They sang a new song, it says. Well, rejoice. The Lord is king.